real stories. Real stories. From real midwives. This is Head on View. Day in the life. <laughs> she said, What? These are our stories. Welcome to another episode of Head on View. I'm Carly. And today we have got a guest of us. So we are chatting about young mums, teenage mums, what it's like to be one. And we are talking to Alison today, who was, and I guess, I mean, still is, but I mean, she's not a teenager anymore, but she was a young mum. So hi, Alison. So I guess just tell us a little bit about yourself, how many kids you've got, how old you were when you had them. So this might take up the whole podcast because I've got four kids, so be <laughs> <laughs> brief. <laughs> um, so start at the start. Um, so my my son, who's now 24, I had him when I was just shy of 16, like literally a month before turning 16. And then I've got another son who's 17 and he I had him when I was 23 and then uh, my two daughters when I was uh, 28 and 29. Um, so that makes up the whole family. Yeah, and they're all all adults. But I think, you know, what you've in your introduction, you're pretty right. Like once a teenage mum, you that stigma stays with you. Where I grew up, there was a lot of young mums and I actually went to high school with a girl who just that's all she wanted to be, a mum, and she was a mum at sixteen, dreams were made. But that is not for the majority of people. So I'm assuming in your situation <laughs> that it wasn't your plan to be a mum at fifteen. No. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> In terms of how it came about, was it, you know, just you were with a boyfriend accident? Had you had much sex education? Or, you know, were you like, oh, I didn't even realise this was how I could get pregnant? Or was it like, um, you know, you forgot to use something or didn't take the pill? Like how, what happened? Yeah, look, I think, especially in, in my job now, I, I the more and more that I sort of do this job, the more I kind of realised my situation was quite unique because, you know, I always wanted to be a midwife. So I always knew about pregnancy, um, very interested in biology. My parents were extremely um, forthcoming in all sorts of sex education um, and safety and birth control, um, STDs, all of that sort of stuff. Um, my mum herself actually had my sister when she was 17. So, you know, they always think there's a history yeah. of it. Um, always, always wanted to be around babies when my aunties were pregnant and all of that sort of stuff. So I was always interested, but never actually wanted to have a baby at um, that age. Um, and ironically, um, I was sexually active and I told my mum and I was supposed to start the pill and I just didn't get my period. I had, I had it <laughs> ready to go. And, um, oh, no. I and my mum said to me, have you started that yet? And I said, oh, I haven't got my period. She's like, how late is it? I went, uh, two weeks. And so we did the did the test and, yeah, I was pregnant. And as much as it kind of obviously was a shock, it kind of it wasn't because I, I was sexually active. And even though we use condoms, you know, that you still know that they're not 100% yeah. um, effective. Mm. Yeah, and I think mum, mum was just more worried about telling dad. And, and it's that, you know, retrospectively looking back, I think it wasn't – like my parents being there themselves, they knew it was going to be hard. Um, but I think there's that stigma attached to your parents as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like your parents didn't do the right thing. Like yeah, they didn't. Yeah. It, but here you are saying that you grew up in a household where, you know, it's like the same with my kids. I'm very upfront with them about sexual mm. education. And then now I'm thinking, oh, shit. 
Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, we do. We think young mom must come from, you know, parents who haven't taught their kids anything, which is quite the opposite. Was it always the option to keep the baby or was there ever any like consideration oh you could give up for adoption or abortion or it was just once you were pregnant you were like no I'm happy you know this is what we're doing well um I actually and I have had this conversation with my son so if he does listen which I doubt um (laughs) he does know that I did um have an appointment and had the counselling for a termination um but I just couldn't go through with it and an adoption I guess it was something we really didn't discuss I kind of just figured you know, if it, if it wasn't going to be a termination, it was going to be me um, just going going ahead with it. And I had everything planned, you know. And, and for me personally, it was all about not necessarily how I was going to be a parent, but how I was going to continue being a student. <laughs> what grade were you in? I was in grade 10 and I homeschooled myself. So was was there the option to kind of keep going to high school or? You know what, like I was a massive nerd and like me being interested in biology, when I told my science teacher, she cried um, <laughs> because, <laughs> because I was going to have to step out of school. But, you know, I think, I don't know, sometimes I look back at that and I think, I, I don't know if they were being supportive or they were trying to get rid of me, but they really helped me hook up with the homeschooling and um, get all of that under the way. Um, but then I think afterwards, I was like, were they just trying to hide me and get me out yeah, of public this view? this is my question. Like- Did you want to go to school? Because I I grew up, like, in in when I where I grew up in America, we had a lot of pregnant teenagers because it was a very big gang population and lots of young teenage girls, 13, 14, 15, and they were expected to go to school. Like, if they didn't turn up to school, it was like a thing. So did you actually want to go to school? Did you actually want to go there or were you happy to stay away? You were um, scared of it or? Look, I mean, I didn't mind either way. I thought that the homeschooling was the only option because that's where the teachers were steering me towards. But, um, and I think, you know, you, you, it's not, I guess it's not naivety. It's more that, you know, you're never in that situation until you're in it. Um, I thought that my social life wouldn't change. I thought that friends would still come and hang out. I thought that, I would just have a baby and then they would still hang out. But, you know, a lot of parents didn't want them to hang out with me anymore. Really? Um, so I lost, yeah, I lost friends because, and, and you know, later on as I got older that we reconnected and, and things like that. But, yeah, there was, yeah, you, you, you're almost like this town pariah. <laughs> Did you grow up in a small town or was it? Um, well, no, it was um, just a regional part of Newcastle, which is regional itself. But, um <laughs> you know, very working class and, you know, not overly, I would say pretty much um, a-religious, but um, there was definitely the done thing to get your kids christened or baptised, but no one really was going to church regularly or things like that. So I just think it was just one of those situations where like, oh, my God, you know, it could be if this girl could get pregnant, everyone's going to get pregnant. So your parents are quite supportive. Do you have siblings yourself, like younger or older brothers or sisters? I have an older sister. And um, so at the time she was almost, well, she was 18 um, when I had my son. And um, we actually were going through the typical teenage sister thing where we um, bickered and fought. And then as soon as I had my son, um, we just completely bonded and we had a very different relationship um, of her being an auntie. And, yeah, it was it, it was nice. And then she ended up having 
children after I'd had all four of mine. So I was the younger sister, but with the much more experience with parenting. It was kind of bizarre, but yeah. And in terms of your school, did you, were you like the subject of rumours? My oldest is um, a different father to my husband. The three other children we have, um, we share, um, but me, me and my husband have known each other since we were 14. So he was around watching me calf down like a whole heap of food and thinking what the hell's wrong with this woman um or girl I should say (laughs) hey I'm pregnant I'm meeting heaps um but yeah there was a I think at the time there was potentially three different guys that were the dad um so I heard but yeah it was it was my um boyfriend at the time and how did that conversation go telling him I was actually um at the time oh god he wouldn't listen to this I hope he doesn't but I don't really care um I was trying to break up with him um, and then I found out I was pregnant, so I stayed. And he did come from a very religious household, um, and he was under a lot of pressure from his family to not go through with a termination. But at the end of the day, I'm still who I am, and I always have been <laughs> strong-willed. Um, so <laughs> I didn't really care what their opinion was. The decision was mine at the end of the day. Um, mm. And... Um, yeah, so I didn't really take into account their feelings or thoughts when I made those appointments. Was he shocked? Did he like typical thing of like, is it mine? Sort of. No, he never questioned the paternity, which was lucky. But he, I mean, even to, to this day, he hasn't had any more children, and um, I still feel he considers himself a, a victim of teenage pregnancy. So he he, he oh. takes as a an excuse to have not moved on from his life. Um, he used it as a barrier to, to not work and not study and all those things, but he wasn't really involved, so I don't know how he could claim that. But. <laughs> it's interesting that you use that phrase that he feels like he's a victim of teenage pregnancy when men are, you know, or the, the other partner is usually the one who can easily walk mm. away. And really their life doesn't have to, you know, ultimately change that if they don't want it to. Was he involved at all? Did he come to any appointments, come to the birth, anything like that? Uh, yes. He was there for um, most of the appointments. Um, I had to be segregated into a teen mum's antenatal class and um, appointments where we had a special group. Um, so he came along with those and, um, and then he was there for the birth and we stayed together for the first 18 months of my son's life um, and then I'd had enough. Um, I did everything and I was yeah. studying and working. So I just was like, yeah, I don't, you know. Yeah. So I find it interesting that you just said segregated because we're, we're all midwives here and I've worked at um, some places that do have special sort of teen mum programs, or antenatal classes. And from a practitioner point of view, um, I guess they're set up because you think, oh, this is, this is helpful. They're going to be with other young people, share their experiences but do you feel it would have been better if you if you were just mixed in with everyone else? Like, do you think it was helpful having a young mum's program or maybe not the way it was run with you? That's the problem is the fact if you do group everybody in the same and they don't have a choice because I can't, I can't speak for anybody else's experience but my own. For me personally, I felt the information was dumbed down. But again, like I said at the start, I'm very good at biology and I always have been, so... You know, we were given these rudimentary discussions on uh, birth control and where they pull out a banana and, and put a condom on. And I guess it's kind of past that point, right? Because you're already pregnant. Yeah. And, yeah. 
everyone around was giggling, like, you know, and blushing. And, I, and I'm the one that sat there and actually loudly said, to, how do you think we all got here? I know the hospital, which I don't work at anymore because I've resigned, which is amazing. They do have a young mum's clinic. And I found like when I worked in clinic and if they fell within the parameters, the age, it's like, you know, 14 to 20, 14 to 19 or something, something like that. I think technically, because I used to also work there, anyone under 21, um, yeah, I asked them if they wanted to go to young. And it wasn't like they didn't have a choice. I used to say, you know, we do have a young mum's clinic. Would you like to go to that? I found most of these women would just be like, no. And they, they sort of confuse, they're confused. A lot of responses I got from um, these women were confusion. What does it do? Is it any different than what you tell me in appointments? And I realized... Like, why, why is this so separate? Like, if, you, if you're old enough to have sex and to make that decision and you've become pregnant, then why are you treated any differently? Unless there's a, you know, a learning disability. One of the main differences just from the hospital we were at was the young mums offered more continuality of care. So you'd be with a smaller, a smaller team of midwives. So in that sense, you know, feel more supported and... You know, you know the practitioners, but that was only within the clinic setting. So then when you went to deliver, you could still be with any midwife. I've actually done a placement at that said hospital. And um, <laughs> when they found out I was a teen mum, I was I was dragged up to the class and said, all right, you go in and tell them about your life so that they can study. And I was like, well, what if they don't want to? What if they actually their aspirations are to have a child at 17 and then another one at 21 and be a stay-at-home mum? Like, who am I to come in into the exactly. class? Exactly. And, and where I work currently, they do um, a separate young mums class as well that I've also been in. And it was it was interesting because it is like any other cohort of women. It's such a broad spectrum of understanding of communication skills, you know, understanding of how, how they got in that situation and, and what they're going to do as parents. So I don't know. I, I mean, personally, the continuity is definitely a, a, a huge thing, but the same same thing you said, Carly, that once they're on the ward, it's it's not the same continuity. Yeah. Um, it's just a continuity in the antenatal space. Once you had your baby and, there you know, mixed, trying to press It was a mixed and... bag. It was a mixed bag. Um, so... When I was about nine to ten weeks pregnant, I was in a swimming pool and someone accidentally kicked me in the abdomen and I had a lot of cramping after that. So my mum took me to the emergency department um, where an obstetrician saw me and said, well, you know, this is an unplanned pregnancy anyway. You're probably going to just miscarriage, which is for the best, and sent me home with some pain relief. And that stayed with me because who says that? Like, who has the right to say that to someone? Just abhorrent comments just because you know, you put the label teen mum that then all of a sudden it's open slather. Like I can say mm. these really um, harsh comments that socially I wouldn't normally say to someone. Like you could say, oh, look at that woman that's got nine children. She should probably stop. But you'd say that in your head. 15 years old and it was unplanned doesn't mean that you love your pregnancy less than a 25-year-old no. or a 30-year-old that still, it's planned. You'd still suffer the grief and the loss and that, you know, that's yes. a life a lifetime of grief and loss there but um and then having (laughs) having my um son in the hospital there was obviously people that maybe didn't read the file too well so I was asked several times if I if it was an IVF pregnancy and I think it was just ticking box moment yeah I had a really wonderful birth with him and 
I was 42 weeks and had a spont labour and a beautiful, you know, almost 10 pound boy and breastfed beautifully. So I find it quite strange because it was back in the day where there was four women to a room. Yeah. And yeah, <laughs> I was yeah. The, the one that slept the most because I had this giant baby that breastfed beautifully. And then there was these three poor women in their late 20s, early 30s, all having their first baby. Um, you know, sore nipples, uh, episiotomies. Some of them had uh, forceps deliveries because we ended up talking. All had like, you know, average sized babies. They got to go home day two or three with just their husband who had no experience either with a baby. I had to stay for six days because of my age, even though I was going home to my mum and dad who had children. Are you serious? Yeah. And, you know, with a, with a baby that fed well just because of my age. And Was there an option to sort of say, look, I'm ready, I want to go home? Or it's just sort of like, well, this is it, you're staying. And, you you know, at 15, I guess you don't really feel you can be like, no, actually, I want to, yeah. I've always been an upstart. Um, I did, <laughs> did ask to go. And I, I even said, you know, he's he's feeding well. I feel well. Um, I said, I actually just don't feel comfortable being here anymore. And I said, I know that I'm keeping these poor women awake all night with my snoring. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, so funny. Um, and they said no, because we have to make sure that your baby starts putting weight again on at day five. Zero risk factors. I'm like, okay. So, yeah, I just I just got exhausted um, arguing, basically, through the whole pregnancy for common sense. Yeah. I, I find through my clinical experience that young mums are great. They just get mm. on with it. They don't complain. They get up and they walk around. They don't buzz you for anything. Like I've looked after so many young mothers from like 14 to 21 and they're just like the most amazing proficient. They've got their head fucking screwed on right. And you know, the woman next door with multi four, four or five kids doesn't know what she's doing. A teenager next door could take care of your baby for you. There's there's something beautiful about being a teen mum, for me anyway, that was I felt this immense freedom. Um, Why being judged, if that makes sense? Because I felt like it didn't matter if I was doing an awesome job and it didn't matter if I was phoning it in. I felt I was going to be judged as a shit mum anyway. So I didn't overthink. Yeah, I didn't overthink things. I didn't worry if I was you know up to date with the latest you know when to introduce solids or um you know I just fed my baby when he was hungry um I did my own thing and I didn't compare myself to anybody else so during your pregnancy did anything sort of I know you said you know you were very well clued up on the biology but did anything happen like changes to your body or and you were just like what what the hell's going on I was not um I was not a very well developed young girl at that age. And yeah. so I went from like B cups to double D cups in six months and, you know, stretch marks. I think the only place on my body that doesn't have stretch marks is probably my ankles. I was probably at the end of puberty, but it was kind of rushed through because of pregnancy. So all of that kind of happened at once. But I actually had a pretty, I mean, it was a pretty cruisy pregnancy other than those first few incidences. And obviously, a few care providers I had to say goodbye to because of their inappropriate comments. Um, but, you know, it was just whatever. And I, you know, to full disclosure, I had such a supportive extended family and um, 
my auntie was the president of the maternity coalition, which I think is maternity choices now. And so she was a home birth advocate. She was also um, uh, one of the ABA counsellors as well. So, you know, I don't, I don't think I, I had a chance of not doing a good job. It's so lucky that you were, you know, had such a supportive, because obviously there's people out there who don't have that support, but also not just supportive, but like knowledgeable people as well, so that you weren't just yeah. shook when all of a sudden you had a contraction and be like, you know. What the hell is this? Yeah, so you felt well well prepared. Yeah, and I think that's funny because I because I just assumed until becoming a midwife, I just assumed that all women. This is going to sound stupid to you guys too, being midwives. All women found out they were pregnant for the first time and then went and read all the literature about what happens to their bodies. Alison, do you remember when I found out how old you were when you had your first child? We yeah. were in a lecture at uni, <laughs> and I was sitting in front of you, and you were saying something. And then you mentioned the age of your child. And I remember I turned around and looked at you. And because I'm terrible at maths, you were staring at me going, she's trying to figure it out. I can mm-hmm. see you're like, you're really bad at maths, aren't you? And I'm like, you just tell me. <laughs> because I was just like, I was genuinely like. No one can see you counting on your fingers, Laura. <laughs> Well, Alison knows me. She knows that I don't have a bad bone in my body when it comes. I'm just being a fucking idiot. Like I just don't count. So, so let's compare. So your first delivery, um, all very straightforward. Did you use any pain relief? A bit of gas and air. Yeah. Okay. And intact peri afterwards. No stitches needed. Yeah. So then with your other babies. So then you went on. Did you? have normal vagina deliveries seven years later my next pregnancy and I just cruised through and I tell you it was so weird to be pregnant and tell people I was pregnant I guess a little bit of anxiety about telling people I was pregnant and then all of a sudden everyone was saying congratulations and did you feel that that reaction was very different it was all just oh my god yay you know and that was quite quite alarming and different but um no everything went pretty straightforward until um 40 weeks when I just my mum made me go to the hospital because I was having irregular contractions and she's like, oh, that's what happened with your sister and everything went to shit. Uh, I got there and uh, it was I just, they just put me on a CTG because why not admission CTG? And he was actually having variable D cells and they ARM'd me and I just had a multi-Oz and then um, he just, his heart rate went to 60 and didn't recover. So I had a emergency season, not in labour. And that was, that was a horrible experience because I didn't, I went into it very cavalier thinking, oh, I've done this before. Yeah. yeah. This is going to be. Yeah. Of so I didn't read anything about C-sections. So you were not, you're not a midwife at this point? I had all my babies before I went down that road. Yeah. Yeah. And then hospital V-back. It was very triggering because it reminded me a bit of the first pregnancy and how much I was micromanaged through the whole thing. Yeah. Mm. Um, being told I wasn't in labour at eight centimetres. I'm going to call theatre. Um, and just really stressy about it so I ended up with a v-back and that was all good and then I had a home birth for the last one because I was like I can't be bothered going back in the system and you've done them all you've had the Caesar you've had the the v-back do you in terms of birthing experiences do you feel that one was better over the other I think definitely the last one because that was if I had the money and the resources I would have had a home birth for my first child but it was the last one was just so cruisy and it was just I literally just I had a baby and mm. sat 
down and breastfed and then did the dishes and then went to bed with my husband. Yeah. With our new baby. It was just, just it was just like a, an extra step in the day. It's a real sort of failing of our public health system that home births are not offered on the public health system. So where I grew up in England, the NHS home, home birth is available to everyone just on the NHS. So it's, you know, like no one has to pay for it. The midwives come to your house, they bring a birth pulse. Um, whereas here it's sort of like, okay, you can only have this if you've got the money to pay for a private midwife. Yeah. And there's also a bit more stigma, I feel, in Australia about home birth. So many people, when you say it, they're like, ooh, like, yeah, not safe, not a great idea. We have got such, and, you know, this is this going to sound like a completely far left comment and Laura knows me, so she knows I can pull it back in and make a point but um I think culturally it just is telling how we treat women it's not about the women it's not about their choices we focus in the medical system and culturally the baby is more important than the woman so stuff her for her um what she needs and what and you know and she might end up coming in and feeling completely out of control and have no say in that but she should be grateful she's got a baby and she can go home, you know, mentally unstable and wearing mm. nappies and everything's like just hanging on by a thread because she's got a baby. So, and yeah. that's the focus we have in this culture um, that women, women can just suck it up. And I think that that's actually a really, it's not so much a political comment, but I mean, it could be, but I completely agree. And I think it's made even worse by like, if we're talking about young mums as opposed to even like mums who are having their first baby at like 43 or something yeah. like that. And it's the same thing, you know, we're, we're treating the mother as just the vessel. How many times have you heard healthcare providers say inappropriate things like, well, you, you just want a healthy baby. I mean, that they said that to me too. And, you know, you don't want your baby to die, do you? You know, things like that. But you say that to a 15-year-old. It's, it's, it has the same effect as you say it to 30-year-old or 43-year-old. I don't see why we're even saying it at all, like why we're treating women like this at all. And I think it's, it's a breath of fresh air to hear you speaking, a woman who had a baby at a young age and how you were treated. And I think women are still treated the same way. Oh, I don't yeah. think much has changed. Further to that point, it's young mums are the licensed for the more inappropriate comments that they want to say to other mums. But it's like, but you're young, so I can say things like that to you, like babies, babies raising babies. And um, yeah. and, and and that is, I think that that fear for the young mum is not about the mum, it's about, again, about the baby more than anything. Mm. And, I mean, you know, nobody comes into this and us as health professionals don't go, oh, we don't give a crap about the baby. Of course we do, but we know babies thrive when their mothers are loved and cared for and supported and as we started off this conversation saying you know there's stigma attached to the teen mum and and we know some mums you know they want to start their babies when they're young but me personally that wasn't something I wanted but it happened and all I wanted was a safe little bubble for me whether it was with healthcare workers or my social networks or family just to celebrate it as well Mm. Not, not have yeah. everything linked to what's going to be, oh, my God, it's going to be terrible, it's going to be bad, but also you're going to be a great mum. Mm. You know, this is a wonderful thing. It's a miraculous thing happening to your body and, you know, and then when um, he was born, but I did, ha- I did have that. But I know a lot of 
mums don't have that in lots of different circumstances. And I think because the fear is if you celebrate it, are we glorifying it? Are we promoting it? Plenty of women, half the women yeah. I speak to in clinic, I, I'm like, how did you even get pregnant? Like, they don't seem to know anything. So, I mean, but, whether you're 14 or whether you're, you know, 43, like, I, I, you know, yeah. it's, it's such a huge spectrum in terms of age. Some are just more informed. <laughs> yeah, true. But I don't think you're ever ready for that roller coaster of a ride of, of becoming a parent. It's definitely a roller coaster. <laughs> and, it, and it never stops. I mean, my son, obviously, um, he's moved out now and he's, he's studying, but he, I still worry about him in lockdown and, you know, if he's vaccinated and things like that. So it never stops. Okay, can I ask a question about your son? Mm. What did he, does he ever tell you that he felt a stigma as well because of his mum's age? Um, Was it ever something he experienced? I, I think he started noticing it more when he was um, sort of pre-teens and teens when he would have birthday parties or go to birthday parties and really notice that I didn't have a lot in common with his friends. Or you were just, you were just hotter than the other mums. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd like to think that. No, um, <laughs> no not necessarily. No. But, um, but, yeah, it was hard. And actually his... Um, girlfriend's parents who I've met who are lovely people they were actually the other end of the spectrum and came became parents later in life so they're actually closer to my parents age than they are mine but we oh, get wow. on like a house of fire on fire because we we have a very similar take on life which is don't judge people if, unless you want to be judged how did you feel coming back home and raising your baby but under your parents roof did you feel that they sort of gave you the freedom to be a mother or was it hard for your mum not to sort of step in and try and mother your baby as well my parents still worked full-time and they're very hard workers so I literally just lived there um if anything that they ever wanted to I guess contribute or worry about was more um my relationship with his dad um not not it wasn't like there was no um, abuse or anything like that. It was just he wasn't very supportive financially or emotionally with me or or his son. So I think that was their only comment. Um, you know, my mum was so excited because she had two C-sections. She was so excited to be at the birth and my dad was at the birth as well. And um, Oh, that's nice. I know. It was pretty full on. I think everyone <laughs> thought we were weirdos. But um, uh, just, you know, and I didn't care. I breastfed everywhere. I, I'm... I was like, well, my baby needs to be fed and um, my mum bottle fed me and my sister. So for her to see a normal birth um, and watch me breastfeed, I think she was a little bit um, proud in a, in a way as well, just mm. how I got on with things. Did your your current, your husband, your current partner, I've never met him, but I've seen plenty of photos. So I can't out. believe yeah. I've never met him. So it's like you know him, right? <laughs> I guess a lot of young mums would have that. They're not all going to be with the same person they had their first child with, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah. And I mean, that is really rare. And I guess I think that's probably why I hung on for a little bit because I was desperate not to be a statistic. Um, mm. But um, no, Dave, Dave obviously had known me through before pregnancy, pregnancy, and then afterwards. And it wasn't until... Um, we were actually 20, so Ash was four when mm. we um, started dating. And I look at that now and I think, because when I remember when Ash turned 20 and I said to Dave, 
you at that age became a, like a dad to someone yeah. else's child and you just took it in your stride and he I mean obviously I just I chose well because <laughs> he, <laughs> he's still around he just I mean he's still around and he's and he and he didn't even question it for a second um his his mum on the other hand has always always been a bit weird about it um still to this day does she's kind of will say happy birthday to our three children but not my son that's weird yeah it's, and <laughs> yeah yeah and I find that I find that weird and um because she's also known me since I was 14 as well so there's always there's always been that knowing there but Dave he's never questioned he's never stopped to think about it he's just I don't know and, he, and he's never said these are my children this is my stepson he's always said these are my four children yeah that's and, awesome. um yeah he's always been there and and you know the I guess the good thing about um being a parent we always paranoid that we're messing our children up in some way um but when they oh, get into yes. their 20s they give you feedback so <laughs> and mine so far has been good <laughs> I'm worried about the feedback <laughs> it hasn't been too bad I find it quite I find it quite cute I tease him a bit that he's, he's um his girlfriend's a lot like me so were you very open with with your children about sex education and everything like that it gets to the point where they go, my two daughters actually go to their um, school mandated sex education and correct the nurses. It's a bit embarrassing. Well, it's embarrassing that the school is not teaching correct sex education. Do you think you would have handled it well if any of your girls or your son came home at 15 and was like, oops, I'm pregnant or I've got someone pregnant? Like, I guess the thing is for me, I just want to make sure that they, um, you know, they were making a choice they wanted to make. Um, yeah. And, you know, especially being on the other side of it, if it was my, one of my sons, um, I would be the one that's getting the whip out and making sure that they're there 100%. Even if the relationship's not there, they're there. Mm. They're present for, for the mother of their child and for their child. I mean, now we have programs like Teen, teen Mom, Teen Mum and stuff like that. I think the stigma's still here as bad as it was like, you know, 25 years ago I don't know if the statistics have changed you know what I mean like I don't know if, if having those shows have increased the incidences of um, teen pregnancies or they've decreased them because they're a bit of a you know um, cautionary tale you know you do sort of I guess balance on that tightrope of are we glorifying it and, and, and I guess the thing is for me I understand the struggle it's mainly a financial struggle because unless you have the support and ability to continue your education, if that's what you want to do, then, you know, the job for you and your partner are going to be quite poor paying. And statistically, you know that, you know, those babies that are raised in those households are more likely to be them themselves drop out of high school. Did you end up finishing your schooling or doing homeschool? Or did you go back like after the bubble was That's after grade 10, because I um, at that point just wanted to be a florist and I went and did my um, TAFE course and was a florist for a few years. I love how midwives just come from all walks of life. Every time someone ordered flowers to someone that had a baby, all I was like, I wonder if she had a good birth or I, I wonder if she had a boy or a girl. Yeah. And, mm. you know, who bought her the flowers and all that sort of stuff. And it was my boss at the time that just said to me, you know, you've always wanted to be a midwife. I think you should go back and study that. But I was dead against being a nurse. So, yeah, I did the direct yeah. entry. Good like Laura. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I was not interested in men or old people, sorry. 
instead of being <laughs> I have the same thing when people are like, oh, I called you because you were a nurse when my friends called me the other day. And I'm like, I'm not a nurse. Like, you yeah. know that. <laughs> you guys might have heard of Bernadette Black, who runs the Brave Foundation. She's a Tasmanian, uh, a yeah. Taswegian. And um, <laughs> Laura, we actually went to school with uh, uni with her sister. I can't for the life of me remember her sister's name. But she <laughs> was her story. And, and if you have a look at the Brave Foundation online, she was, I think, nominated for this Strain of the Year Award, maybe. Um, Bernadette Black, and she was a young mum herself, and she set up the Brave Foundation, which is a non-for-profit organisation to help to help teen mums um, with lots of different things. So some mm. hospitals can link um, into that if they choose to, but from what I've seen, it's mainly just um, the information's out there uh, to help. If you if you know about it, then you can obviously tell some young mums about it. That's but... good to know. No, I didn't know about that. Yeah, because mm, I never know mm. what resources to give young mums. Like you said before, should we be treating them different to how we're treating the other women? That conversation that I've had with a few doctors about young mums um, on the discharge saying, you know, make sure, have they got contraception? You need to have contraception and you just think, settle down. <laughs> if she doesn't <laughs> want to take contraception, she should have an implant on though. And it's like, yeah. they have a choice, you know? And if they don't want to do that, then that's fine. They've got to understand the consequences of that, obviously, but. Do you feel your experience makes you more of an advocate when you come across young mums within within work? Sometimes, definitely. But I think it's across the board because I think I kind of use my experience to sort of look at anything that's sort of outside the box. So I think I think we're doing okay-ish with the young mums. I mean, there's some things we can do, like, you know, giving them the choice of not being in a different antenatal group um, would be great. But I think there's still the, the new group, coming through which people still seem to struggle with is the same-sex relationship and trans men having babies sometimes that's blowing a whole people's new mind. podcast we need to do i would have so many questions <laughs> maybe you need Don't to put that. us on to if you know any same-sex couples men women that have had babies yeah or if anyone listening would like to come on as a, as a guest get in touch um i guess any sort of um final words of wisdom from you Ali like any advice you'd give your younger self or for me as a, a younger person I guess just you know keep going the, the course that you were because it was good <laughs> um, I wouldn't really change anything about about that maybe changing um, some care providers earlier on they're a bit creepy otherwise I, I don't really have any advice for young mums except maybe just don't listen to anybody else about what path you want you know if you want to educate keep going with it because um your baby's going to grow up and go to school and then and everyone's experience is going to be different you can't just pigeonhole just based on someone's age you can't pigeonhole and be like you know you guys are all going to have the same experience yeah absolutely but you know you've got i wouldn't say 40 weeks but maybe a good 35 weeks or or less just read read a book about pregnancy and whatever age you are listen to a podcast <laughs> think about think about how you're going to feed your baby it's it's a lot more important um to think about that because that's you know and that's where you're going to need your midwives the most I think because the birth just happens and I think if there's any um anyone listening that was a young mom and had a completely different experience than what Allison had we'd also like to hear from you because yeah totally because I was very yeah. fortunate I've got to say that like I did I I was extremely fortunate to the amount of family support that I had and I know not everyone has that regardless of their age but particularly 
you know, in my little antenatal group, unfortunately, there was a girl that was having multiples and 14 and kicked out from home and her partner oh. broke up with her. So a single mum having twins at 14, you know. And there's stories out there like that. Stories. And mm. it's it's sad. And I'm, I'm very happy to know that you were supported and loved and given the right environment to raise Ash in and stuff like that. So, yeah. and he's a gorgeous boy, by the way. He's gorgeous. Oh, he is. He is. He's so gorgeous. <laughs> I mean, all your kids are gorgeous, but. <laughs> I was the worst mum to him, I tell you what, when he turned 16, 17 and he would be like, oh, I don't want to get my license. Or, and I was like, well, when I was your age, I raised you, I was educating myself and I did this. And he's like, I don't have to do that though, mum. You had to do that. Though. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Alison. It was such a great chat. And well, thank you everyone for listening. Um, give us a like, a follow and all that jazz. Um, any questions, comments, just DM us and we will see you next week. Bye. And be sure to tune in next time for more laughs, thrills and real stories from real midwives on Head On View. I didn't know it was still recording.